Seconds after he is born, a young pig faces certain death, but is rescued by a little girl with a big heart. However, as he grows, the girl's good intentions won't save him from the butcher. Who will stop the lovable pig from becoming yummy carnitas? One tiny spider takes up the mantle. Her name is Charlotte. The book is Charlotte's Web. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit! And this is Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. Welcome. Welcome me. Welcome you. Welcome, Fran. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. That's great. What have you been up to? Tell me everything. 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 Oh, you know, my daughter was in town last weekend. Oh, yes. 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 um, Got to say hi to her for a few seconds. Nice. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you? What'd you do? Um, I went to the Salsa Congress last weekend. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Have Bet you been before? I went. <laughs> oh, you were sitting next to me. Now I remember. <laughs> yeah, you know, people have talent. They do. That was an exciting show. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of spins and flips and other stuff. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it immensely. A couple drops. Those are still exciting. Oh, yeah. I did hear about that. But not very much. Flying I mean, shoes. <laughs> you know, the inevitable. And the show went on. And it did. It was a great time. It was. Had by I now. also had Corona. I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had the coronavirus. Don't tell the government because I ain't got time to be quarantined. And where did you get it from? I don't know. Just in the air, huh? I was. I did have a. I had a Corona. I didn't even think about it. You're right. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> now, they had not told us that it was spreading like that. Oh, so yeah. This is news it's to me. It's in the name. Just be logical. I'm not having no more of those. Don't. Oh, I don't want to do that. Crown is delicious. If you say so. And moving on to our theme of the week. <laughs> Did you have anything else you want to bring up from your week? No, no. You're doing good. You look great. Oh, you're nice. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, if you listen to the show, you know, if you don't, let me tell you. Each week, we choose a theme based on the book we're reading. And the theme this week are books that shaped our childhood and young adult lives. Oh, my goodness. And I chose this theme because I was forced to read a baby's book. (laughs) And I said, well, why haven't I read this book? Yeah, why haven't you? This is, yeah, this book is part of the fabric of many people's youth, age three to six. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, I mean. I mean, come on. So what was I reading while everyone else was reading Charlotte's Web? And I came (laughs) up with a pretty comprehensive list. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Now, I was raised in a household of faith. So mm-hmm. I was reading a lot of scripture based publications, as as you know. OK, you know. OK. But at school, I guess I was still um, reading like the, the early the first book I can remember reading was uh, Dr. Seuss book, Green Eggs and Ham. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I read that in my youth. We had those books in the household. Yeah. I had yeah. a whole set that okay. my mom decided to give away, which is like probably worth billions now. If Thanks, they're in mom. good shape. 
Yeah. They and that's why you. you can play my student debt. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the, the first book that I've read and like thought, mm, I'm better than this was The Giver. <laughs> Do you remember The Giver? And it's I thought familiar. of it because a friend's daughter is reading it now. Uh-huh. It's it's like required reading, I think, um, oh. for some grades. Refresh me. What is it? So The Giver is like a dystopian novel for kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> YA. That's probably more YA. Um, but it's about a society where everyone is on the same playing field personalities have been taken away everyone is assigned to role in life there aren't even like oh, mountains never heard of and things <laughs> and really? because yeah food has no flavor and stuff like that um and the idea is to stop any uprisings or anarchy and just to keep everyone on the same playing field for peace quote unquote it's okay. dystopian so you know okay and in the end um there is one man who keeps all the memories of the time before, oh, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you haven't read I The Giver. Day. I wanted to read it. You didn't. Um, <laughs> there's one man that keeps the memories of the time before the world was like that. Oh. And he passes it on to kids by touching kids. Is this a movie? First alarm. Probably. Hmm. So he like sits in the dark and like puts his head. Okay, that's <laughs> creepy. I, I want to know was, no yeah, more. But it's not. It's real innocent in the book. <laughs> And anyway, in the end, that same little boy steals the old man and a baby and they run away. The book is crap. But, you know, people. I don't know about this book. (laughs) So what was the book you remember reading as a kid? Oh, you know what? And actually the autobiography of Malcolm X. (laughs) And that I had to have for you. Maybe 13. Wow. Very militant child. Oh, my goodness. I don't remember reading any books like that. Um, I remember reading Judy Bloom books. Are You There? God Is Me, Margaret, Forever. Um, uh, Yeah. And Mystery. Mystery. There was a there was a mystery series, a, a woman. Do you remember her? Nancy Drew? Nancy Drew. I read Nancy Drew books. Okay. Yeah. I remember those books. Mm-hmm. I didn't see myself in them, so I wasn't that interested in them. Okay. But I do remember that. I remember the Babysitter's Club and things like that. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. That's before um, um, after my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember um, a few R.L. Stein books, who's like the baby Stephen King. <laughs> oh, what it? Can you think of anything right off? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they were like, it's supposed to be scary books for kids. But I remember one time I was reading a book <laughs> and it got a little too much. And I have borrowed it from school, but I was scared of the book. So I put it out outside of my house because <laughs> I didn't want it to get me. And it got rained on and ruined. Um, were, the, were there any books from your childhood that really stuck with you and you thought were great literary works that you would read again? Judy Bloom, I read that. A- okay, why? <laughs> I I don't know. I really, I really love the love story in the Judy Bloom book, and she was growing up. I like the growing. Oh, up Oh, you stories. like that one that people get their kids when they don't want to have the talk. <laughs> I don't be know. Like, oh, your body changed and read this Judy Bloom book. What's the name of it? Forever. Forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you call it. That's an infamous book. That's for lazy parenting. <laughs> No, my mother did not. I got all my books from the Scholastic Book Fair. My mother (laughs) did not give me books. If she did, I don't remember them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I didn't. So I love them. I like that. I like to stay in childhood. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's the kind of. Did books you ever I read, read Matilda? No, I I think also was after me. Okay, so after my childhood that actually I read maybe three times. I do remember just loving Matilda yeah. and the fact that she would like mess with her parents and put like. <laughs> You know, shampoo, mix their shampoo with their toothpaste and they be brushing their teeth with shampoo. Oh, anyway. okay. So she that was sounds basically like, like you. poisoning her, her family. And it was great. And then she got to live with her teacher and sleep on the floor. Yeah. But she could move things with her mind, which. I remember the movie. Uh, <laughs> I remember the movie. Yeah. And then Madeline. Remember the little French girl? Yes, but I didn't read any of those books either. You didn't? Where are all the uh, kids' books with young black protagonists? Yeah, so maybe there's a new collection out there I now. I think so. But there's more concerted effort to have diversity. Up, they weren't there. Well, Madeline was French. <laughs> That's all we got. That I am not. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, no, all the books that I read um, growing up had a, a non- black central character yeah mm-hmm. so i think the tide is turning now when you were raising your daughter were there opportunity what books were you giving her to read and were there opportunities for you to give her books that featured characters that looked like her she didn't embrace reading the way i did okay so that just was not an interest for her mm-hmm. and they at that time i think the closest i came to a book was the slave girl book from the um the American Doll series. That's what I thought she was going to say. Okay. Yeah, but I think she was like a slave, right? Don't ask me. Oh, I, I don't remember the book. Dolls. But I did find, um, she was in dance, so I found um, dance books, and there was a book that Debbie Allen did, so I bought oh. that book. So I had Not for to, kids, it was just a book she did? Yeah, it was for oh, kids. That's awesome. at, um, Do you remember a, the name of a it? A young brown girl as a ballerina, and... I don't remember the name of it, but I remember the cover was blue. You got this long um, brown girl with curly hair on it, and it was the cutest thing. And so that is a book that I put in her hands as a um, Dancing in the Wings. Is it got a blue cover? Does it have a blue cover? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And then there's one called Brothers of the Night. So mm-hmm. Dancing in the Wings and Brothers of the Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are beautiful. Um, good books, but they weren't um, very they weren't substantial books. Yeah. Um, well, for kids, I mean. Yeah. And that, and there was one other. I can't think of the name of it. But yeah, I did locate a couple books with um, brown people and gave them to her and her youth. Yeah. Did you feel it was necessary for you to read the book before you gave it to her? I was lazy. No. <laughs> Terrible. Like, you figure it out. <laughs> and then her body started changing. You go, here's a book I've been holding for you call forever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we had those conversations. <laughs> no, I didn't. I would not have given her forever for sure. <laughs> for sure, I would not have. <laughs> it was too risky. It was too risky. Okay. And then also, you know, I had read in my the importance youth, of reading with your kids. Read. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had read um, Harlequin romance books also in my youth. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, I wasn't passing her on to forever. <laughs> oh, Shel Silverstein, were you? Into- <laughs> I remember Shel Silverstein being really huge. I don't know who that is. <gasps> um, 
Okay. Don't make me find it. I will put it on our book list. <laughs> no, he's an author. <laughs> You've never heard of Shell? Nope. He's a black author, actually, American writer, and he does like quirky poetry. Mm-hmm. No, never heard of him. Okay. Well, that's that. You'll have to share that with me. Mm-hmm. Wait, is he even black? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you made that up. Born also. into a Jew- Jewish family, Silverstein grew up in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago. Oh, local. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me just Google this right quick. Mm-hmm. Dude, Shell Silverstein is not black. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. My days ruined. And so is my childhood. Then what am I reading him for? He's just so, so. <laughs> Now that you know. Crazy. All right, let's move on. (laughs) And we are back. Wow, Shel Silverstein is not black. (laughs) So, moving on. From that soul-crushing news. Um, can you give us some background on Evie White for our book this week, Charlotte's Web? Sure, sure, sure. So, E.B. White, his name is Elwin Brooks White. He hated his name. Um, so do I. <laughs> he felt like his mother uh, hung it on him because she ran out of names. She had six. He was the sixth child. Um. He was born in 1899 in Mount Vernon, New York. He graduated from Cornell University. Oh, George Washington is from there, if Hamilton is to be believed. Go ahead. In 1921. And he was given the nickname Andy. Um, I guess it's a tradition at Cornell University for anybody with the last name White to be given the nickname Andy after the co-founder, Andrew Dixon White. Okay. So... In 1927, he started working for The New Yorker and he worked there for the rest of his literary career. Mm -hmm. He married his wife, Catherine, in 1929, and they had one son together. Um, White published other works. His first children's book was Stuart Little, and that was published in 1945. That's a weird one. You read that? I know of the story because don't two humans have a mouse baby? And then... They have like a human baby too, and the human baby like flushes her his brother. Anyway, I don't us. know this story, and then, you know, like, <laughs> but I know there's a a movie. Michael J. Fox is in it, right? He plays to her little. Anyway, go ahead. This sounds like a lot. Um, in the 1930s, what is this? <laughs> he lived in a main farmhouse, and one day he spotted a fire, a spider. Excuse me spinning an egg sack in his barn in Maine. And that um, was the inspiration for Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web was published in October of 1952 and is considered one of his most beloved works. He did write adult books as well. Um, He has a literary classic called Here is New York. And it's considered the quintessential depiction of of the New York experience. Uh, E.B. White died October 1985 at his farm home in Maine. 
and he's earned a bunch of awards. Have you ever stuff. been to Maine? Actually, no. No, me neither. We should go. I've been wanting to go to Maine. Yeah. I Have want some, some of lobster. their lobster. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get in there. Yeah. Uh, there was a clip actually on, I want to say Wikipedia that said, White published Death of a Pig. This is another book in 1948. It's an account of his own failure to save a sick pig bought from butchering. Um, and that, they say, is really his inspiration. But he said White's overall motivation for the book has not been revealed. And he has written, I haven't told why I wrote the book, but I haven't told you why I sneeze either. A book is a sneeze. <laughs> a book is a sneeze. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a pretty good sneeze. Um, He's also quoted as saying, writing is never fun. Oh, it's been a pretty torturous thing. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Um, thank you for that context on E.B. White. Thank you for introducing him to us. Can you also give us a brief synopsis of the book without spoilers? It's going to be extra brief. <laughs> okay. I love brevity. <laughs> Charlotte's Web is the story of a spider that befriends a lonely pig and saves him from certain death. That's it. Point blank, period. (laughs) Great. So, Kari, what were your first thoughts? Why is she making me read this? This is a baby's book. Do you guys see this? It's a pattern. She hates all my books. And you know what? To get you back, I got some good books coming. Oh, they thick. Dictionary size. And see, I'm going to come back with a paperback. What you say there, uh, Tolstoy? (laughs) Huh? Hmm? I'm coming back with something even smaller. Warmth of other sons. I hear you. We Count might, of money who? We might read a paperback um, mm-hmm. or a paragraph. And maybe we'll just do the dictionary. Because <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to be having me. I, we didn't start this podcast to read uh, baby pamphlets. Don't make me go to self-help. <laughs> don't start with me. Oh, don't, I no, got- please. I'll be good. <laughs> so my first thought was... Wow, this is foolishness, and I can't believe it's really happening. I'm not going to take the time to sit down and, like, what, read Charlotte's Web in public? Yeah. Could you imagine being on the train and a whole adult is and reading I was. Charlotte's Web? And then that's what I was doing. People going to start throwing change at me, like, sorry for your troubles. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, maybe that's a good idea. But then I found it on Audible, mm-hmm. bought it, but then found another version where Meryl Streep reads it and a full cast of characters. Oh, I know that was great. I, I want to hear that. Well, can I just tell you it was delightful? <laughs> and Audible has this thing where they let you exchange anything you buy or return anything even after you listen to it. Uh-huh. I don't know how that works. I don't know who gets paid, if they get to keep their money, but... So anyway, I won't go too much into that, but yeah, y'all should know. Y'all should know you can do that with Audible. <laughs> Um, so I bought the Audible version and it was just a delight. It was just so sweet. The, it, the story was just so, it was, it was so I sweet. I think you're jumping into some stuff. Just keep it to oh, your first thought, So that was please. my first thought. Okay. <laughs> that this is baloney. What were your first thoughts of the book? I was excited to read it because I, uh, I don't remember ever reading it. And yeah, I was just excited to read it. Um, I always thought Charlotte's, Web was about a um, spider. 
I didn't realize there was a pig involved. So <laughs> so I thought the pig's name was Babe. I ain't gonna lie to you. I said, Wilbur. How they get babe from Wilbur? Yeah, that's not a that's not a separate story. <laughs> I know. But I do love the movie Babe. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's another pig. I'm yeah, sorry. That's another pig. Okay, great. They are not one and the same. Have you heard of Too Cute? It's a TV show on Hulu. No. Okay, well, when you're sick, that makes great entertainment because you can just drift in and out of it. It's just baby animals. Oh. Yeah, and Too Cute show taught me that, um, that show taught me that pigs have been domesticated for like as long as dogs. So it's very common uh, for people. It was at least very common for people to have even little pot-belly pigs, pigs as pet. Mm -hmm. Oh, and a quick story. My mom grew up on a farm and she oh, had a pet it. pig. Did I ever tell you no. this? No. So pigs are highly intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. And so they'll like follow you around just like um, Wilbur Ooh. does. Okay. Yeah. So um, he followed her around like a little dog. Like a little and, dog. That's you know, slept at the end of her bed. And then one day she came home and was eating bacon, <laughs> looking for her pet after <laughs> oh, breakfast. Oh, mm. Mm -hmm. And no one said anything. Did they killed know? her pet. Did she know? Well, she knows now as an adult. I hope. <laughs> I, no, no, but initially. Nah, she didn't know. She just knew. Maybe they told gone. her it ran away. <laughs> People love lying to kids. They do. It's a thing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for your first thoughts and for putting up with my little anecdote. Let's move on to the big, the big show. Are you ready? How you feel? I'm not quite ready, but I'll be ready. <laughs> okay. We'll do it as I go along. <laughs> and we have to say, there will be spoilers. A lot this, of them. This is going to be a short episode because this is comedy. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe we're doing this. It's going to be fine. If this is the first episode you're listening to, I'm sorry. All right, then. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if you're looking for something more substantial, this ain't it. A deep Work. dive into Charlotte's Web by the Loose Society podcast. Take it away, Alexis. You got it, girl. Okay. So the story begins with the question, where's Papa going with that axe? <laughs> the question is asked by eight-year-old Fern, the daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Arable. So the mother tells her that some pigs were born last night and one of the pigs is around. So that means they're very small and they'll never amount to anything. That's what they said. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that. Fern runs outside to stop her father. She says, please don't kill it. It's unfair. Fern says the pig could not help being born small. Would you have killed me if I were born small? It was cute. The father says that's different. And he says, certainly not, as he looks down with at his, lovingly at his daughter. <laughs> that was so cute. Eventually, the father concedes and allows Fern to actually keep the pig. Fern feeds the pig by bottle. And on the way to school that morning, she decides she wants to name him Wilbur. And she cares for this pig every day. Like it's her baby. Like it's her baby. <laughs> um, so he's in the house for a few days and eventually he's moved and to a big box in a woodshed. And then finally, he's like completely put outside. Her mom, she wakes up and feeds him before breakfast. And then she feeds him in the evening. And then mom um, feeds him lunch. Fern plays with Wilbur like it's her like doll. Mm -hmm. She takes him to play, um, run outside and 
Wilbur just follows along with her. And she runs upstairs. He waits at the bottom of the yep. stairs and they're like best friends. It's like a puppy. Yeah. A puppy. Exactly. She puts uh, Wilbur in her carriage along with her doll. And Wilbur will go to sleep in the carriage with the doll under the the blanket. Under the blanket. (laughs) Wilbur is loving this life. What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) She takes Wilbur to the brook to play and swim. And the water was too cold, so he didn't want to really swim and stuff. So it was just like having fun. Wilbur enjoyed being with Fern. She loved it. He he loved it. He was just like, that's her best friend. His best friend. And then at five weeks, Mr. Arable says, Wilbur has got to go. I ain't taking care of him no more. He's got to be up for sale, put up for sale. Fern breaks down and cries, but her father does not back off. She said he's not paying to feed this animal anymore because he sold all his other 10 brothers and sisters. And Mrs. Arable suggests to Fern that she reach out to their uncle down the road and sell the pig for $6. And that way she can walk down there and visit as much as she likes. So Wilbur's home is like this new large barn. It smells of hay and manure. Apparently that's a good thing. <laughs> and um, in the winters is warm and the summers is cool. And Firm comes by almost every day to visit. Uncle Her- Homer, or is her- Homer Zuckerberg, would let Firm take Wilbur, would not let Firm take Wilbur right. out of the pen. He just, and she didn't let, he didn't let Firm go into the go pen into with the Will, pen. so she would just have to sit on a stool and watch. Yep, sit and watch, watch the pig. And and so he didn't. Wilbur didn't really like that because they there was no more interaction. Mm-hmm. And then one day when Fern hadn't visited, um, Wilbur was feeling lonely and bored. He felt like there was nothing to do but eat and scratch his back and go outside and then come back inside. He said, "I'm less than two months old and I'm tired of living." <laughs> That made me chuckle. It really did. <laughs> the goose told Wilbur, you don't have to stay in there like that in that dirty thing. Push on them one of them loose boards and get out. It's wonderful out here. Be free. Uh-huh. Wilbur listened to the goose and pushed his way out. And although he felt queer being outside of the pig pen, he asked the goose what he should do next. So the goose encouraged Wilbur to explore the area, go out into the woods, just go, be Live free. Your life. Eat corn. Eat hay. I mean, he was just dig up the apple trees. He <laughs> was encouraging him to be really mischievous, really. Mm-hmm. But and then all the other animals was like cheering him on, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got it. <laughs> Get out there. Whose house, our house. <laughs> Run, be free. Run from everybody. <laughs> and so then they, um, the humans, found out that Wilbur out. was gone. Pigs out. The pigs out. Go get them. So they come out and try to chase them. And then the other animals are still telling them, run this way, jump that way, turn a flip. <laughs> He's like, I would do it, but your um, directions are conflicting. <laughs> I can't run up and down yeah. the hill. <laughs> it was really funny. And then so they like go into the woods and Wilbur is like, the woods are really far. I'm not sure I really want to go that far. <laughs> and then they find a way to reel them in. That's like the slop is here. Yeah. So Mr. Zuckerberg says, we're going to get the pig. I got this bucket of slop. We'll just say, hey, pig. And the pig smelled that. Mm-hmm. Wilbur wanted to get some of that slop. So they were like, don't go. Don't go. It's a trap. But was like, I don't care. I, w- <laughs> I would like to eat some of these <laughs> vittles. Yeah. So he goes out. 
He's eventually lured back to the pen um, with the bucket of slop. Oh, Wilbur returned to the pen and decided he was too young to go out in the world and be all alone. He's like, I'm not not interested in that. He's got great self-awareness. Does. <laughs> he does. He does. So one day he thinks of a plan of what he's going to do because, you know, he's feel like I ain't got nothing going on. Yeah. Um, Fern is not coming over every day. She can't really play with me. I need to make a schedule. <laughs> So I like this part because I don't make a schedule and the pig Wilbur is setting me up. You know, he's got a schedule. I need to follow his example. Yeah, if that baby pig can do it, then Surely. you a grown woman can Surely do it. I could do it too. Okay. So he made a plan. He said at seven to eight, he was going to talk to Templeton the rat. At eight to nine, he was going to nap. <laughs> it should be extra fun. It's just got to be fun. I'm like, okay, go ahead. I'm so sorry. Nine to 11, he was going to dig a hole or trench or find somewhere, something good to eat in the dirt. Yeah. And then from 10 to 11, he would watch the flies, the bees, and the swallows. And then from 12 to 1, he was going to eat lunch. And from 1 to 2, he would sleep. 2 to 3, he would scratch the itchy places on his, on his body by rubbing against the fence. <laughs> Three to four, stand perfectly still and think about what it was like to be alive and wait for Fern to come. <laughs> and then by four o'clock, he could eat supper. Well, that was busted up because it rained all day. Now, mm -hmm. this just sent him into a deep old depression. He was disappointed that his plans were ruined. He said, I'm very young. I have no real friends here in the barn. It's going to rain all morning and afternoon. And Fern isn't going to visit in this bad weather. So he cried for the second time in two days. Yeah. It was really sad. He was just like, I am lonely out here. Mm -hmm. So when Lurvy, that's the hired help, brought food to Wilbur, he, Wilbur had no desire to eat. He wanted to be loved. Aww, that part was so touching. He didn't need slop. He needed love. Yeah, even though he was hungry, mm -hmm. he wouldn't go eat that because he wanted to be loved. A friend, someone to play with him. When he mentioned it to the goose, she said she had to sit on her eggs. She couldn't play until her eggs were hatched. And when Wilbur, Although she used to get up all the time and she would just replace herself with some hay to keep <laughs> the eggs warm. But she wouldn't go get up to play with him. No, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. And when Wilbur asked the lamb, he said... <laughs> Certainly not. In the first place, I can't get into your pen and I'm not old enough to jump over the fence. And in the second place, I'm not interested in pigs. Pigs are less than nothing to me. Less than nothing to me. And I don't play with pigs. That's what the lamb said. That's a great like rebuttal when like somebody's hitting on you and you don't like the attention. First of all, I ain't getting in the pig pen with you. <laughs> second of all, pigs are less than nothing to me. Excuse less than me. nothing. Can't you tell them that? Yeah, so Wilbur <laughs> asked Templeton, he said, I don't even know the meaning of the word. I never do those things. I can avoid them if I can avoid them. He said, I never do those things if but I can avoid Templeton? them. But who's Templeton? Templeton is the rat. Yeah, farm rat. Yeah. He said, I prefer to spend my time eating, gnawing, sawing, and hiding. Oh, same. Hiding from um work, <laughs> eating at nine. I don't know what sign is, but I probably like to do that, too. Me and Templeton would be bosom buddies. He said, I am a glutton, but not a merrymaker. <laughs> okay, Templeton. He's just not having it. So, Larry told Mr. Zuckerman that something was wrong with the pig and Mr. Arable. And so, Mr. Arable told him, just give him two spoonfuls of sulfur. Shot. And molasses. Oh, and the molasses. Mm -hmm. I missed that. It's a mess. 
Shocked that this was being forced on him, he felt like this was the worst day of his life. He didn't know whether he would endure the awful loneliness anymore. I mean, he was I in, was feeling for Wilbur right here, actually. Yeah, actually, it was um it was a rough life he was Especially having. Especially since I thought his name was still Babe. <laughs> and everyone calling him Wilbur. No, his name was Wilbur. So out of the darkness, a voice says to Wilbur, Do you want a friend, Wilbur? I'll be a friend to you. I've watched you all day and I like you. First of all, just to be clear, if you lonely and you sitting in the dark and a voice <laughs> comes from nowhere talking about I'll be your friend, just pray. <laughs> just pray. <laughs> this is not okay. I don't think this is what we should teach kids. But okay, go ahead. Wilbur says, I can't see you. Where are you? The voice tells Wilbur to go to bed. He could see them in the morning. The next morning, Wilbur is eager to meet his new friend. <clears throat> Attention, please, he said in a loud, firm voice. Will the party who addressed me at bedtime last night kindly make himself or herself known by giving an appropriate sign or signal? Wilbur paused and listened. All the other animals lifted their heads and stared at him. Wilbur blushed, but he was determined to get in touch with his unknown friend. Attention, please, he said. I will repeat the message. Will the party who addressed me at bedtime last night kindly speak up? Please tell me where you are if you are my friend. The sheep looked at each other in disgust. Stop your nonsense, Wilbur, said the oldest sheep. If you have a new friend here, you are probably disturbing his rest. And the quickest way to spoil a friendship is to wake somebody up in the morning before he is ready. How can you be sure your friend is an early riser? I beg everyone's pardon, whispered Wilbur. I didn't mean to be objectionable. He laid down meekly in the manure, facing the door. He did not know it, but his friend was very near, and the old sheep was right. The friend was still asleep. So Wilbur meets Charlotte A. Kavatica, a spider. As Wilbur gets to know Charlotte, he finds out she eats insects, and Wilbur seems a bit put off by this at first. No, she doesn't eat insects. She drinks their blood. Yeah. <laughs> very put off by and this. And she's very matter of fact. I have to live, don't I? <laughs> yes. And you shut up about it because somebody bringing you your food. Yeah, she said. Wilbur said Charlotte is fierce, brutal, scheming, and bloodthirsty. <laughs> Everything he doesn't like. And it soon becomes clear, though, that Charlotte is really helping the earth because if she didn't catch bugs and eat them, bugs would increase and multiply and get so numerous they destroy the earth and wipe out everything. And no one ever has anything good to say about flies. <laughs> the horses hate them. Yeah. You know, the animals loathe them. Even the people don't like them. So thanks, Charlotte. So Charlotte decides Wilbur is just really young. He doesn't know much about life. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even know that Mr. Zuckerman is going to kill him at Christmas dinner. <laughs> no, that's not Charlotte. The goose, the goose tells him. That happens later, but she oh, does acknowledge that he's too young. He doesn't even know that's a thing. Okay. So one day when Fern um, is visiting, 
a sheep stops by to visit Wilbur and tells him that he is putting on some weight. Wilbur said, at my age, it's a good idea to keep gaining. Same, Wilbur. (laughs) (laughs) And the sheep said, just the same. I don't envy you. You know why they're fattening you up, don't you? What? Why? Well, I don't like to spread bad news, but they're fattening you up because they're going to kill you. That's why. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Wilbur is completely shocked. They're going to what? Fern grew rigid on her stool kill you, turn you into smoked bacon and ham. Almost all young pigs get murdered by the farmer as soon as the real cold weather sets in. There's a regular conspiracy around here to kill you at Christmas time. Everybody is in the plot. Lurvy, Zuckerman, even John Arable. Mr. Arable? Fern's father? Certainly. When a pig is to be butchered, everybody helps. I'm an old sheep, and I see the same thing. Same old business, year after year. Arable arrives with his 22 shoots the stop i don't want to die save me somebody save me be quiet wilbur says charlotte who had been listening to this awful conversation i can't be quiet i don't want to be killed i don't want to die is it true what the old sheep says charlotte is it true they're going to kill me when the cold weather comes well the old sheep has been around this barn a long time She has seen many a spring pig come and go. If she says they plan to kill you, I'm sure it's true. It's also the dirtiest trick I ever heard of. What people don't think of. I don't want to die. I want to stay alive right here in my comfortable manure pile with all my friends. I want to breathe the beautiful air and lie in the beautiful sun. I don't want to die. You shall not die. What? Really? Who's going to save me? I am. How? That remains to be seen. But I am going to save you, and I want you to quiet down immediately. You're carrying on in a childish way. Stop your crying. I can't stand hysterics. The next day, Fern tells her parents about the happenings of the farm and how they talk to each other, how the animals talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Arable tells her husband she worries that Fern about Fern because she kind of rambles on about the animals. She's always spending time with them, and she pretends they're talk. they talk. Mr. Arable says, you know, I maybe they do talk. And he's so enchanted by his child. He's like, just calm down, lady. <laughs> Essentially, <fine."> yeah. <laughs> so they could talk. Maybe we're not listening. Yeah. I've always wondered, he says, so he a little kooky too. The dad. <laughs> Isn't everybody in this story? <laughs> so Wilbur really admires Charlotte. He wants to be like her. And then one day in the barn, he asks, Charlotte about her hairy legs and Charlotte <laughs> your legs sure are hairy uh, Charlotte uh-huh. Charlotte explains that her hairy legs are important because they help her with spinning the web and she tells where, uh, Wilbur that he doesn't need hairy legs because he doesn't have to spin a web mm-hmm. so Wilbur says Wilbur says he could spin a web if he tried and Charlotte says let's see you do it <laughs> While the rat and the spider and the little girl watched, Wilbur climbed again to the top of the manure pile full of energy and hope. Everybody watch, he cried, and summoning all his strength, he threw himself into the air head first. The string trailed behind him, but as he had neglected to fasten the other end to anything, it didn't really do any good and Wilbur landed with a thud, crushed and hurt. Tears came to his eyes. Templeton grinned. Charlotte just sat quietly. After a bit, she spoke. You can't spin a web, Wilbur, 
and I advise you to put the idea out of your mind. You lack two things needed for spinning a web. What are they? Asked Wilbur, sadly. You lack a set of spinnerets, and you lack know-how. But cheer up, you don't need a web. Zuckerman supplies you with three big meals a day. Why should you worry about trapping food? Wilbur sighed. You're ever so much cleverer and brighter than I am, Charlotte. I guess I was just trying to show off. Serves me right. Templeton untied his string and took it back to his home. Charlotte returned to her weaving. You needn't feel too badly, Wilbur, she said. Not many creatures can spin webs. Even men aren't as good at it as spiders, although they think they're pretty good, and they'll try anything. Did you ever hear of the Queensboro Bridge? Wilbur shook his head. Is it a web? Sort of, replied Charlotte. But do you know how long it took men to build it? Eight whole years. <laughs> My goodness, I would have starved to death waiting that long. I can make a web in a single evening. What do people catch in the Queensboro Bridge? Bugs? Asked Wilbur. No, said Charlotte. They don't catch anything. They just keep trotting back and forth across the bridge, thinking there is something better on the other side. If they hang head down at the top of the thing and wait quietly, maybe something good would come along. But no, with men, it's rush, rush, rush every minute. Hmm. I'm glad I'm a sedentary spider. So after that, she kind of reveals that you're going to die at Christmas time. <laughs> Wilbur is like, not only can you not spin a web, but you're going to die. OK, <laughs> yeah. this makes Wilbur really nervous. And so he asks Charlotte if there is anything he could do to assist with this plan. So the goose has told Wilbur, you're going to die. Wilbur's really, really Actually, sad. It was the sheep. Oh, the sheep. You're yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Oh, excuse me. So the sheep has said, you're going to die, Wilbur. He was really depressed. And Charlotte said, well, the sheep has been here a long time. So if she says it, if she says the people are trying to kill you, it's probably true. But I'm going to save you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think of a plan to save you. Yep. 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 He just needs to focus on eating well, staying <laughs> healthy, getting his rest, you know, just being, being cute and mm -hmm. lovable. Yes. Just do you, boo. I'll save you. That's right. And after days of considering and uh, ideas, Charlotte finally has a plan. She decides that she's going to play a trick on Mr. Zuckerman. She said if she could fool a fly, surely she can fool a man. Because people aren't as smart as flies. <laughs> <laughs> Part two. One day, after kind of swinging in a barn with her brother Avery, um, Fern. Fern's brother, Avery. They kind of head over to the pig pen. You know, I actually like that swinging um, episode. Yeah. I really felt that. Yeah, the way they describe the swing yeah. in town. I imagined myself literally swinging. I thought that was pretty cool. Mr. Zuckerman had the best swing in the country. It was a single long piece of heavy rope tied to the beam over the north doorway. At the bottom end of the rope was a fat knot to sit on. It was arranged so that you could swing without being pushed. You climbed a ladder to the hayloft. Then, holding the rope, you stood at the edge and looked down and were scared and dizzy. Then, you straddled the knot so that it acted as a seat. 
Then you got up all your nerve, took a deep breath, and jumped. For a second, you seemed to be falling to the barn floor far below, but then suddenly the rope would begin to catch you, and you would sail through the barn door going a mile a minute, with the wind whistling in your eyes and ears and hair. Then you would zoom upward into the sky and look up at the clouds, and the rope would twist you, and you would twist and turn with the rope. Then you would drop down, 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 out of the sky and come sailing back into the barn, almost into the hayloft, then sail out again, not quite so far this time, then sail in again, not quite so high, then out again, then in again, then out, then in. Then you jump off and fall down and let someone else try it. Mothers from miles around worried about Zuckerman's swing. They feared some child would fall off, but no child ever did. Children almost always hang on to things tighter than their parents think they will. Anyway, so they spend some time swinging. Everybody loves this big swing that's in the barn. Um, the parents are afraid, of course, but the children love it. Mm-hmm. So Avery notices a spider web and he comes closer and sees it. He's like, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. He already had a frog. Avery is a little destructive child. Mm-hmm. He already had a frog, but he wanted that spider too. So he's about to capture Charlotte in his candy box that he has where he has a frog in it as well. And he steps into the pig pen, loses his balance. And as he loses his balance, he falls and breaks a rotten goose egg. The smell is so bad, he runs out of, bar- out of the barn, saving Charlotte from capture. The next day, although foggy, Lurvy, the hired help, he sees words. And it says, some pig. In Charlotte's Web. Ooh, mm-hmm. look, that's the name of the book. <laughs> so Charlotte has written the word some pig because, and I quote, people will believe anything that's in print. <laughs> that's right. Lurvy goes to tell Mr. Zuckerman and Mrs. Zuckerman, and they instantly agree that there's something special about the pig. Now, I don't know why they jumped to the pig. <laughs> so, well, the spider, the, it was in print. <laughs> the spider web says, some pig. So it's something special about the pig. Something, yeah, I guess so. Because a spider is just a spider. <laughs> That's what they said. And so although Mrs. Zuckerman says, maybe it's the spider who's extraordinary. This is the one time I'm on her side. Like, hey, everyone, maybe it's the spider. Maybe it's right. the spider. Also, maybe they talk to each other like your daughter been saying, but whatever. <laughs> Mr. Zuckerman goes to his minister in hopes that he would have... Um, so let me just refresh back for a minute, step mm-hmm. backward. Mr. Zuckerman is the uncle of Fern. Right. And he has the pig now. So Mr. Zuckerman goes to his minister in hopes that he would have an answer for this unusual sighting with the some pig written in the spider web. Yeah. And the uh, minister says, well, he'll talk about it in his sermon. <laughs> so stay tuned <laughs> yes. and bring your checkbook. <laughs> So he starts coming from all over. People start coming from all over to see the pig. They want to see the pig. They want to see this web that says some pig. You know, people are excited. And as more people start to come, the work around the farm is less and less because mm-hmm. they're so focused on taking care of Wilbur. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fern tells her mom that Avery tried to hit the spider with a stick and Miss Arable was so shocked she sent Avery to bed without dinner. (laughs) 
They had so many. That's a little much. This is a little boy, but go ahead. No dinner. You tried to kill a spider. You don't get to eat. <laughs> Great parenting. That's what your the body changing. Here's that Judy Bloom book. Don't talk to me. <laughs> but that's what happened. She said no dinner. Again, there was uh, so many visitors. People were coming. And during the sermon, the minister explained the miracle by saying, people must always be on watch for the coming wonders. That was that. (laughs) After a few days, Charlotte calls a meeting and gets suggestions on other words that she could weave out. Finally, they decided on words like terrific. That's the next word. Mm -hmm. And that Templeton the Rat should bring clippings so that they could consider more words. Templeton was hesitant, but he agreed to help. When the humans see the new word, Mr. Zuckerman tells his wife to call the newspaper and spread the word. (laughs) This pig is terrific (laughs) because the people that came out to see some pig were also coming back to see the word terrific. They're about to get some money. (laughs) Mr. Zuckerman decides that the pig should be now put in his crate and he puts the um, he paints the crate and says he paints the crate to say Zuckerman's famous pig. Mm -hmm. And they decide they're going to take it to the county fair in the fall. Yeah. (sighs) Meanwhile, Templeton is looking for new words for the web and he comes back with words like crunchy, (laughs) pre-shrunk. Yeah, pre-shrunk. That's right. They're like, um, that's not the kind of words we want. That does not help with our goal of saving Wilbur. Right. Finally, they come across a new word, radiant. And usually when they come up with these words, they tell Wilbur, like, are you radiant? Yeah, embody the word. Be the word, Wilbur. And he's like, I'll try. What does the word mean? I don't know anything. I'm just cute, you guys. It is the cutest thing. I'm sorry. It is. Because sometimes he'll do flips. (laughs) He's like, is this what radiant is? Is this it? Is this it? A little twerk. (laughs) Can't you just see it? Can't you? Yeah. So, but Fern is still around visiting the barn. She still sees the animals talking and she, um, she, but for me, I thought it was interesting that she never jumps in the conversation and mm-hmm. she's just like on the outside looking, mm-hmm. looking in very much so. So, one, so I didn't know Fern was still in the picture until she's talking about how the, how the animals talk to each other at dinner with her folks. Yeah. So, and she's like drifting slowly away out of, Wilbur's life yeah mm-hmm. further into the background mm-hmm. so one evening she um, witnesses Charlotte telling stories uh, Wilbur stories about other things some her family members have done like other her, her cousin spiders yeah <laughs> <laughs> like one of them captured a fish and then another cousin is a balloonist and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and goes and tells her mom this and her mom doesn't believe and she's like listen <laughs> You need to stop it. It's time I don't for you to like that. boys. Yeah. <laughs> Go like- Grow up and like some boys. <laughs> right. Don't you know that little young man down By the, the way, this girl is eight. Oh my God. <laughs> Dead. Yes. That's exactly what's happening Enough here. of this imagination, imagination. Yes. Stop it and go mm-hmm. get a boyfriend. <laughs> doctor. <laughs> the doctor believes Fern is just fine. Uh-huh. Have you heard about the words that appeared in the spider's web? Asked Mrs. Arable nervously. Yes, replied the doctor. Well, do you understand it? 
asked Mrs. Arable. Understand what? Do you understand how there could be any writing in a spider's web? Oh, no, said Dr. Dorian. I don't understand it, but for that matter, I don't understand how a spider learned to spin a web in the first place. When the words appeared, everyone said they were a miracle, but nobody pointed out that the web itself is a miracle. What's miraculous about a spider's web, said Mrs. Arable. I don't see why you would say a web is a miracle. It's just a web. Ever tried to spin one? Asked Dr. Dorian. Mrs. Arable shifted uneasily in her chair. No, she replied, but I can crochet a dolly and I can knit a sock. Sure, said the doctor, but somebody taught you, didn't they? My mother taught me. Well, who taught a spider? A young spider knows how to spin a web without any instructions from anybody. Don't you regard that as a miracle? I suppose so, said Mrs. Arable. I never looked at it that way before. Still, I don't understand how those words got into the web. I don't understand it, and I don't like what I can't understand. None of us do, said Dr. Dorian. I'm a doctor. Doctors are supposed to understand everything, but I don't understand everything, and I don't intend to let it worry me. Mrs. Arable fidgeted. Fern says the animals talk to each other. Dr. Dorian, do you believe animals talk? I never heard one say anything, he replied, but that proves nothing. It is quite possible that an animal has spoken civilly to me and that I didn't catch the remark because I wasn't paying attention. Children pay better attention than grown-ups. If Fern says that the animals in Zuckerman's barn talk, I'm quite ready to believe her. Perhaps... If people talked less, animals would talk more. People are incessant talkers. I can give you my word on that. Even though Wilbur was receiving all this attention, he never let it go to his head. But the time for the fair came around. And Wilbur wanted Charlotte to come along, but she felt this wasn't the best time to leave her web. She had things to do, such as lay her eggs. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Charlotte does agree to come to the fair. And Templeton is convinced to go along also. He's supposed to come along and help, and he is just tired of helping these people. They, he feels used. Right. <laughs> and Templeton says... Told, they tell Templeton, but there's so much food there. You can get food all night long. Yeah, it's a like, paradise for a rat. This is my kind of thing. Right. Appeal Did to he? his baser instincts and he'll do anything. <laughs> That's what they said. Mm -hmm. Woo. Templeton <laughs> is talked into going to the fair as well. So they sneak in the crate and head off to the fair. The old sheep tells Wilbur to make a fuss while being put into the crate because pigs always make a fuss when they're doing Going yeah, don't just walk in all happy, even though this is part of our plan. Yeah, he said, if you if you don't, they're going to think you're bewitched and they're not going to take you to the fair. Yeah. So before they go to the fair, Mrs. Zuckerman decides she wants to give Wilbur a buttermilk bath. Uh, well, actually, did she do it at the fair or at home? I think at the fair. But okay. So regardless. she gives him a, a buttermilk bath. So he looks pure white and pink around the ears and Aww. smooth as silk. And all the animals watch as Wilbur received this buttermilk bath. <laughs> Mr. Wilbur sees Wilbur and says, he's a wonderful pig. Hard to believe he was a runt. You'll get some extra good 
Pam <laughs> when it's time to and kill was that like, baby. I don't feel so good. <laughs> he fainted. And he faints. <laughs> they revive him, assuming that it's his stroke. They revive him by throwing some water on him. At the fair, Wilbur is placing a pen next to another pig called Uncle. Charlotte meets Uncle and decides while he's large, he doesn't have the personality mm-hmm. to win. Nor is he as clean as Wilbur. Wilbur then asks Charlotte, when are you going to spin your web? Mm-hmm. Charlotte says in the afternoon, um, if she isn't too tired, she really doesn't have the energy. So she hasn't been feeling herself. So she guesses the problem may be her age. Um, and this kind of worries Wilbur. That evening, Charlotte tells Templeton to bring back a word. And Charlotte says she will be writing for the last time this night. Mm-hmm. Templeton returns with the word humble, the perfect final word for Wilbur as he is not proud and he's near the ground. <laughs> Templeton heads out for the night. <laughs> Templeton is the rat, y'all. He's getting ready to go kick it at the fair. <laughs> and then Charlotte stays behind to finish, his, finish her word. The family goes home for the evening and Wilbur asks Charlotte to sing him a song tonight, but Charlotte is tired and she's not in her web. Wilbur asks if Charlotte thinks Zuckerman will let her live and not kill him when the cold winter comes. We'll let him live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll let him live. And Charlotte assures him, you're a famous pig and you're a good pig. You'll live. Tomorrow, he'll win a prize and the whole world will hear about him. You have nothing to fear. Although Charlotte is not in her web, she is making something for herself. She says that, she will share it with him tomorrow morning, and it's a masterpiece. It turns out it's her egg sack, and it has 514 eggs in it. And Wilbur says, it's perfectly beautiful sack. Charlotte tells Wilbur that she won't ever see her children as she doesn't have much time left, and the eggs won't hatch until next spring. Mm-hmm. When Templeton returns from a night of feasting, Charlotte scolds him for eating so much, <laughs> and we tell... And so then he tells Charlotte and Wilbur, Uncle, that pig right next door. He already got the he prize. He got the blue ribbon. So I won't so be So you're going to die, <laughs> Wilbur. If you die anyway. Now and I don't care because y'all just use me. <laughs> yes, he was so hot. <laughs> the final morning of the fair. Well, actually, it may not have been. But there is an announcement over the loudspeaker for Mr. Homer Zuckerman to bring his famous pig to the judging booth for a special prize. And Wilbur is awarded the special prize for bringing more people to the fair. They're given a bronze medal and $25. <laughs> Which is great because they paid six bucks for him. Yeah. So. Wilbur faints from all the praise <laughs> and is brought back by yeah. the rat, a bite on the tail from the rat, mm-hmm. Templeton. And I think he took pleasure in that. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little wicked rat. <laughs> When it's time to go home, Charlotte says she can't leave the fair. In a day or two, she'll be dead. She doesn't have the strength to climb down into the crate, and there's not enough silk in her spinnerets. Wilbur throws himself down in pain and agony. Like, he is an emotional beast. I mean, he'd be feeling, he, <laughs> these things really make him sad. Yeah. Charlotte tells him, be quiet. He's <laughs> making a scene. You have to go back to the barn. Wilbur asks Templeton to get Charlotte's egg sack down so he can... Take it back to the barn. Templeton is like, I ain't trying to do that. (laughs) I mean, I'm tired of y'all using me. Mm -hmm. And he says, please, I will give you first dibs on my food forever. Apparently. 
Templeton agrees. He goes gets the he goes and gets the ace. He, Templeton agrees, goes and gets the egg sack. Charlotte dies the next day. Let's take a break. Okay. And we're back. Woo! So that was Charlotte's Web. Wow. <laughs> I will forever be changed. Kari? Yeah. What's your thoughts? What's your final thoughts? Would you recommend this book? Okay. My final thought is, what a delightful story with surprising nuances that I didn't foresee being in a baby's book. <laughs> For one, I love how Fern, the girl who is this, as her dad calls her, a a fighter against injustice. <laughs> she is so determined to save this pig. She carries this pig around. But as she is growing up in the background, we get the sense that she is dis- distancing herself. We get the sense that she's dis- distancing. <laughs> we get the sense that she's distancing. <laughs> distancing herself from the not just Wilbur, but that whole playful, imaginative, well, um, she got a boyfriend innocent now. time. And yeah, she wants to spend time eventually with this boy who seems just to like be the only boy around that's not her brother. <laughs> yeah, <that's what laughs> and that saying. is more pleasing to her mom than her having a young imagination. That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, but I thought that was done really well. We get a glimpse into the people's lives and the animals' lives, and it's not messy it's um yeah. it flows in and out effortlessly and um nothing is too serious even charlotte's death which is the part that my second grade teacher cried on when she was reading it to the class it's touching it is it really is i think my eyes sweated a little bit <laughs> that's sweat. a really touching part so overall my verdict is uh what a great children's writer eb white is and I would absolutely recommend Charlotte's Web. I'll say from ages um, K4 through K6. <laughs> K4 to K6. Hey, babies of all ages will enjoy this book. <laughs> what about you, Alexis? What are your verdicts on, uh, what's your verdict on uh, Charlotte's Web? I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Um Wilbur was so funny. I, I was really expecting him to die and I was surprised he didn't die. I did not see Charlotte dying yeah. as part of the story, but it was it I liked learning about Charlotte. I just really thought it was beautifully written. Mm-hmm. Beautifully written, especially the swinging portion of the book in <laughs> the um barn. Mm-hmm. I just really felt there in that portion and I think it's a wonderful read. It's mm-hmm. funny. Very funny. Yeah, it is. I chuckled throughout. <laughs> Wilbur is so dramatic. And I would definitely <laughs> recommend it to all ages. <laughs> okay. Because you may need a break from adulting, as we <laughs> talked about last week. And this is a good break from it. Yeah, it's a break for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, that has been episode 10 of wow. Lit Society. Okay. It's a pretty monumental episode. Thank you guys Enjoying for reading. It. So what are we reading next week? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, it's a self-help book. Self-help. You're making Here we come. Okay. So, um, 
We will have the March schedule up soon at LitSocietyPod.com. And that's right. This week was Alexis's book. And next week, we're also choosing one from Alexis because the following two will be a part one and part two of my book. It'll all make sense in a few weeks. You'll see. Yep. Okay. So thank you for listening to Lit Society. We'll see you next Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love you guys too, please. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, read something. Read something.